And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. Always a pleasure. Today is Friday, August the 28th, 2020, in the year of our Lord. Today on August 28, 1963, more than 200,000 people listened to uh, Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. He delivered his very famous now, I Have a Dream speech. He was, st- <clears throat> uh, he was standing in front of the Lincoln Memorial in Washington, D.C., Today, 1917, 10 suffragists demanding that President Woodrow Wilson support a constitutional amendment guaranteeing women the right to vote were arrested. They were picketing outside the White House. Today, 1964, two days of race-related rioting. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? Interrupted in North Philadelphia over a false rumor that White House pol- or white police officers had beaten to death a pregnant black woman. They had not done so, but the word hit the street that they had in Philadelphia burned for several days, much like we're experiencing today. Police and anti-war demonstrators today in 1968, they clashed in the streets of Chicago at the Democratic National Convention. Today in 1996, Democrats nominated President Bill Clinton for a second term at their National Convention, Chicago. Also today in 1996, Britain's Prince Charles and Princess Diana officially ended their marriage, issuing a divorce decree. Today in 2005, New Orleans mayor ordered the everyone in the city to evacuate Hurricane Katrina. It grew to a monster storm. I think we all remember that, but certainly the people in the South remember it without question. And today, today in 2013... On the 50th anniversary of Martin Luther King Jr.'s I Have a Dream speech, President Barack Obama went to those steps in front of the Lincoln Memorial, stood exactly where Martin Luther King had stood, and he challenged new generations to seize the cause of racial equality. Well, I would say that they're doing what Obama had suggested they do, or they're trying to seize something. It may not be equality anymore, but they are trying to seize the cities and the very soul of America. This Black Lives Matter issue is out of control. It's not really about equality anymore. It's about destruction. It's about hatred. It's about destroying a nation that has been and is the greatest nation of all time. The most exceptional, the most blessed, the most prosperous, the kindest, most generous, most tolerant, most inclusive nation that have ever existed on the face of this earth, by all accounts except those who revise history. Last night we saw we saw the president give a speech. Fox News's first words when they came in, came on after the speech, Chris Wallace, they said, well, "How do you what do you think about the president's speech?" With a smirky grin on his face, he said it was too long. And then it went downhill from there. I will tell you, this country is divided. Fox News isn't even what it used to be. I turned it off at that point. Didn't listen to it anymore. Went over to One American News, OAN. They're not nearly as sophisticated. They've got some kids on there. They're going to be great when they mature. But I listened anyway. I'm not going to listen to that. There's so much of that out there today. The president did give a long speech. It was just over an hour. 
He's being criticized this morning, even by people who support him. Oh, it was way too long. He didn't do it right. Yeah, they, they did the same to Reagan. I'm old enough to remember the Reagan years very well. I think a person, whether it's Trump, and I don't say this in defense, it's just a matter of my opinion. But I think when a person is in leadership, they've got to go with what they, with their gut. Not that they can't make mistakes, they do, and Trump makes a lot of them. We all do. In fact, the Bible famously says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've all made a lot of mistakes. And we make mistakes, particularly for a public person. I know there were sermons. <laughs> I won't tell you how many. But the years that I was a pastor, even a youth pastor, teaching Bible studies to large groups of kids and high school, college kids, there were times when I did a Bible teaching or a sermon from the pulpit. I thought, man, I'd like to do that over again. Didn't go so well, but... We do what we do, and we put it in the hands of God, and God uses it according to his purposes if we are committed to him. And as a politician, Trump is not. But he, he talked about a lot of issues. I found it very interesting myself, and I think I'm not alone. But the people with the loudest microphones had to come out this morning and last night, as I said, and start criticizing right out of the shoot. He doesn't need more criticism. Honestly, he doesn't. Believe it or not, there are people already criticizing him on every breath he takes. And it isn't, again, in defense of Trump as much as it's in defense of this nation. We are headed down a path or standing at a crossroads for sure. And I know that metaphor is used often, but it's never been more true than now, with the exception maybe of Abraham Lincoln's day. We are standing at a crossroad or at a fork in the road and we can't take it. we got to decide one way or the other. And this, this this election is, I believe, more consequential than any election. Perhaps in history, but certainly since Abraham Lincoln and the Civil War issue. Isaiah wrote in chapter 59, verse 19. He wrote to the people of his time thousands of years ago. It is the Lord speaking through his anointed prophet. He says, So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. Then he said, When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. The enemy is coming in like a flood today against the nation, against the family, against human sexuality, against life itself. Every aspect of human experience is being attacked by the left. That is the flood of the enemy, because this is not just merely about politics. It's about the kingdom of God. It's about eternity. It's about eternal values. It's about a worldview. Do we become a worldview of secularism, and all of the other stuff that's attached to it, as these people are, as Barack Obama asked them to do, seizing, seizing equality. I hope not. I pray not. Franklin Graham is leading a prayer. He prayed a beautiful prayer in the Republican convention last night. Powerful prayer, anointed prayer, as all of them have been. 
People across this nation are praying, asking God to help us in our time of need. I don't think the millions of people who are praying are standing are standing for Trump alone, but they're standing for the man that will help us more than the other man. We have a choice. It isn't multiple choice. It's one or the other. And one or the other is going to take us down a path. I don't think Biden will, but Kamala Harris will. Biden will not be a player if he's elected. I can just tell you that he will not be. Because number one, he's not capable of being. But number two, they don't want him to be. He may be a little more moderate than the people that are running the party and the people that are running his campaign now. In fact, he is. And he's not a moderate. He he once was, I guess, if there is such a thing. A moderate somebody that doesn't believe strongly in anything, in my view. But that's where we are today in our country. President Trump outlined a number, many issues last night, a lot of them, that I found very informative, very interesting, and I think I'm not the only one. We'll see what happens. But I'll tell you, while he was speaking, Hollywood held a hate parade. Those people were on social media. It was unbelievable. The three people they really targeted Hollywood last night, not surprisingly, was, of course, the president, and then his daughter, Ivanka Trump, and New York Mayor Rudy Giuliani got the nastiest results on social media. While the president was walking out to speak, Rosie O'Donnell was tweeting on Twitter, Here comes the a-hole, but she said the word. They used the most vile, the nastiest words they could think of on social media. It was going all over the Internet. It's unbelievable. Actress Mia Farrow, she compared it to Jonestown. She said it was an adoring cult waiting for Jim Jones to appear and give them the Kool-Aid. That's what she thinks of Trump and what she thinks of anyone who was sitting there and probably anyone else who might support him. Bradley Whitford, he's a guy, he's apparently a star. Everybody knows him. I don't know. I don't care about him except to make mention that he's on the West where he was on the West Wing, whatever. He was going off in lengthy terms of how what President Trump did last night was a desecration of the White House. These are the people that are destroying the very foundation of this nation and the principles upon which this nation was built. What do they know about desecration? I don't know, but they were going on and on and on. Interestingly enough, it wasn't just words. It was actions. Black Lives Matter protesters surrounded Georgia State Representative Vernon Jones. He's that black guy who's a Democrat who spoke in favor of Trump at the convention. He was at that event last night when he left the White House. It was midnight or so when they left their time on the East Coast. All the people were walking out to go to their cars or whatever, and these Black Lives Matter surrounded him, and they identified him as that N-word who was a turncoat. They were threatening him. They shouted obscenities right in his face. There was a woman with him. I don't know if it's his wife or not. I was looking at some video this morning. I presume it's probably his wife or a friend, but it was a woman with him about his age. 
And uh, they recognized him from the speech that he had given at the convention. And they demanded, they demanded that he say the name Brianna Taylor. She was killed by police in Louisville here a while back. He wouldn't say anything. He just kept walking. And they were shouting in his face, you're a black Trump supporter. You're a F-word disgrace. Shame. They were shouting, shouting, shouting all the way down the street. Police carrying bicycles finally showed up and put a protective circle around uh, Jones and his companion. And they moved them slowly down the street to their car so they could escape. The crowd continued to harass Jones as he got, he got his ride and was getting out of there. And they started screaming at him, whose streets are these? These are our streets. Then they started taunting the police. Then a voice shouted as he drove away, as he was getting out of there, you're a house inward. I never thought I'd see the day when I couldn't even quote the news in privacy. I wouldn't do it in privacy, but even on the radio. Black Lives Matter demonstrators also surrounded Senator Rand Paul last night. There were several women with him. I think one of them could have been his mother. I don't know, but there were his wife and a couple of others with him. They were at that event last night. As they were attempting to leave after the event was over, the giant fireworks, I mean, it was unbelievable. If you didn't see it, I've never seen a fireworks quite like that, to be honest with you. But Paul and his companions were prevented from moving for several minutes. Black Lives Matter, of course, they recognized him. He's recognizable. Everybody kind of knows who he is. They got they surrounded him and stopped him. They wouldn't let him go, and they started yelling in his face. They put on their masks, Rand Paul and the others, and they were just screaming. I mean, it was, it, it's hysterical. It's almost like demon possession or something. They were demanding that he say the name Breonna Taylor. Breonna Taylor. Senator, the others with him stood silently for a moment, waiting, looking. I saw a video of Rand Paul looking all over the place like, where's the police? They showed up, same thing. They had to put a circle of protection around him to walk them to their transportation so they could leave the area. That's what's going on in our world. And there were other events. I just don't have time to get into it. That's what's going on in our world. That's what this election is about. And when I say this is the most consequential election in your lifetime and mine, it is. It is. America will never be the same as a result of this election, whichever way it goes. We're either going to start moving back toward our founding um, documents, our founding beliefs, not because Trump is a spiritual leader. He isn't. But because he comes down every single time on the right side of God's word. He's getting good advice on that from Mike Pence, for sure, and others around him. Most of his cabinet, not all, but most of them, are committed Christians. It's a very unusual circumstance that God has brought about over the last four years. And America truly does hang in the balance. The fight is endless. It is relentless. As we completed the two conventions, the first one, the Democrats, it was so dark, it was so depressing 
The Republican one was so uplifting, I mean, so inspiring. There were just moments that just wrenched your gut as people told their stories. And other, your your spirit started to soar as, as people talked in a positive way. Well, this is coming to a conclusion. People can see the difference. It was, as they say, like the difference between night and day, black and white, light and dark. Nancy Pelosi leaned into the mic yesterday and she said to the press, she said, I myself, real quietly, like it's a secret between her and the press in a press conference, she said, I myself, just don't tell anybody I told you this, especially don't tell Joe Biden. I don't think they should have any debates. I suspect that the press whispered back, Okay, Your Majesty, we'll go to work on that immediately and we'll see if we can kill these debates because we certainly don't want Joe Biden on the stage with Donald Trump or something close to that. Most of us would skip the normal response. Well, why would they not want the debates? We know the answer to that. But how does she explain this to the press? Oh, it's easy. It's not a problem. Nancy explained, I do not think that the President of the United States has comported himself in a way that anybody has associations with the truth, evidence, data, and facts. I wouldn't legitimize a conversation with him. Oh, so they're above even talking to the current President of the United States. That's what she's saying. She says she believes Trump will act in a way beneath the dignity of the office, and he will, I'm quoting her, the Speaker of the House. He will belittle the debates. She used the word skullduggery. I haven't heard that since I was a kid. She used the word skullduggery two or three times in her comments. It's for the country, she says. She says she doesn't want to, quote, see a repeat of 2016 with Trump stalking Hillary Clinton like that, referring to a moment where Trump stood behind Hillary while she was talking at one of the debates four years ago. Pelosi says it was disgraceful. She said, I would have told him to stay in his own corner. I'm certain that Pelosi and a lot of other people in the power base, and that's what they want is power in America. They probably don't want to see a repeat of 2016, but they may be. Interestingly enough, there's a new poll out this morning. (laughs) No, it wasn't done by the Republican Party. It was actually done by a by cloud research, which is very independent and not conservative. Study shows that nearly 12% of Republicans are not telling the truth to the pollsters when they call them or contact them on these opinion pollsters. The same is true. 10.5% of independents are saying they're not telling the truth when they're asked who they're going to vote for. Only 5.4% of the Democrats say that. In other words, Trump's numbers, where he has always seemed to be trailing Joe Biden, don't reflect reality. This poll, and it's recognized by all as legitimate, they ask a whole series of questions. They don't just ask the question, are you voting for Trump but not telling anyone, or would you lie to us? about? But they ask a series of questions. There's about five or six questions. that I don't want to take the time to go into it. But they ask the questions and they come, they deduce from that whether they would be honest with someone like themselves calling, saying, who are you going to vote for this November? 
that they would not tell the truth. They would either say, I don't know, I'm undecided, or no, I'm, I'll, I'll probably vote for Biden or whatever. The reason they say, you've guessed it, you know why they're not. Some of them say they don't want to give that information to whomever is on the phone, and I think we all kind of feel that way. But the, aside from that, the main reason is they say they're fearful of reprisal. They're fearful that somebody will take some kind of action against them. That's the world we live in, and that's why that's why Nancy coming on, whispering in the microphone in front of the world yesterday, saying, I don't think we should have these debates. That's just one more step where they're trying to isolate this man who is not qualified. He isn't. And he is going to be given over to just merely getting elected in a kind of a shadow appearance on the scene because they believe that there are enough people who hate Trump to put Biden in office. There's never been anything like this in America, with the exception, maybe, of Abraham Lincoln. No, I wasn't here when Lincoln was alive. I was born shortly thereafter, long time after, very long time after. But I've read a lot about it. These are the days in which we live. The enemy, the enemy doesn't support the Democrats or the left. The enemy simply wants to destroy a country that God has raised up for his purposes. There's no country like this on earth. Countries traditionally over all of history, as far back as we have oral history, recorded history, that would be the Bible, it's the oldest of all. Nations have been formed through either bloodlines or battles, wars. America was certainly fought a revolutionary war to free itself from Britain, but America was born on an idea, a belief, a principle. And that principle was that God gives rights, not government, not the king, not the dictators, not those who call themselves Democrats on behalf of democracy. No, the rights come from God, and government's role is outlined in the Bible, and that government's role is to, is to protect those rights, like the right to life, not become the agent of killing babies. And that's what our government has become at the hands of the left. This isn't God's will for America. God has a plan and God has a purpose. We are not... We do not have an eternal destiny as a nation. I don't believe that we're a replacement for Israel. There are people who believe that. That isn't biblical. But I do believe that God has raised up this nation for a time like this in history. We have blessed more people. We have been a light in the darkness. We have sent missionaries all over the world. We've done all these things to the glory of God. And I believe that God will continue to use America for a time. But I know for certain that God does not plan. His purposes do not include that we would be brought down by the enemy within. She's commenting, recommending that the nominees, Pelosi, on the upcoming debates, they're already scheduled, three of them. Biden has already sent a letter and said, I'll be there. His wife, Jill, was asked on television here a couple of weeks ago. I happened to see a replay of the uh, part of the, of the discussion they had. And they asked her, somebody, NBC, ABC, I forget who it was, but they asked her, they said, will Joe show up for the 
for the debate. I mean, everybody knows he 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 just shouldn't <clears throat> he shouldn't be running for an office such as president. He's just that's not where he is in his life journey. We all get there, but he doesn't seem to recognize or doesn't care, and the people think he's the best shot to put him up to draw all of the attention away from Trump, the people that hate Trump, and get him elected, and then he will be inconsequential to whatever happens after that. There is an agenda. It's not necessarily Joe's agenda, but they don't want him in public because they know that he'll self-destruct. I mean, it's it's the set. It's abusive, really. It's elder abuse. They're using this man and his lifelong dream to be president to put someone in office who will not actually be the person that was elected. He'll just be there as a placeholder, and he's calling himself that, or as a transition president. He's called himself that as well. So while Joe Biden is sitting on the beach building sandcastles, there's a tsunami wave building, I believe, that's going to wash up on that beach, and I think it's going to surprise a lot of people, and I think this poll indicates that. I noticed last night President Trump used the word Trojan horse. I'd written an article yesterday afternoon. We published it late last night before I heard him use that term, but I used that term as well. I'm honored to be on the same page on that note. But this is a Trojan horse election. The Trojan horse, as I'm sure you know, the ancient Greeks believed that Troy was located in the Dardanelles, that the Trojan War was a historical event. They believed it really happened in the 13th, 12th century B.C., long time ago. In later years, the Greeks have said, well, it probably didn't happen. It was just probably a, an allegory, a story, but whatever. It's the message of the Trojan horse. The Greeks, under the guidance of Odysseus, built this huge wooden horse. horse was a symbol of the city of Troy. They left it at the gates of Troy as a gift. Then they got in their boats and pretended to sail away. The Trojans believed that the huge wooden horse was a peace offering, like our Statue of Liberty from France, that kind of thing. It was a peace offering to their gods, and thus a symbol of their victory after a 10-year siege, 10-year war that had been going on. So they brought the thing into the city gates and locked the gates and admired it and went to bed. Overnight, there were people inside the horse. Odysseus is said to be one of them. They came out, went out, unlocked the gates. Their people had not sailed away. Their people were waiting outside. They all came in and destroyed the city. That's the Trojan horse, and that's what we're looking at today. So be prayerful. This is something more than politics that's happening in our country. And thank you for helping us be on the radio every day and say the things that we say. If you believe in what we're doing, please take a moment and support us. We need your support. Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. You can also donate online at faithandfreedom.us. Have a great weekend. See you Monday.